Last week, I, um, last week within the sermon, um, one of the things I talked about was that there is power in the, in the scriptures. There is power when you come to the Bible and you open it looking for the Spirit to move you. And it's not that there is power in the words itself, because there's people who don't believe in Jesus, who don't believe in God, who can actually go to the Bible, read it, and get nothing out of it. But I'm talking about people who are searching, people who want to hear what God is saying. There is power when you go to the Scripture, because something happens. The Spirit works within our hearts, our minds, and our souls when we go to the Scripture. So I want to begin this morning with like a two-minute testimony before we get into our actual sermon this morning. This past week, um, as I preached that, I believe it. But this week, God brought to me two young people, and we were talking about some of their life circumstances and what they've been going through. And one of them is closer to home to me, and so I was talking to him, and I was just kind of going through some of the scriptures that God was leading me to, to tell him, to, to, to lead him towards. And at the end of this time that we were together, and, and he didn't come to my place for a Bible study, he, he just came to talk. But by the time we were done, he says, I haven't felt this way in a really long time. And it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with what God was doing in him through the scriptures he was reading. The second person I talked to, same thing. We, we opened up the word, and it wasn't, again, it wasn't anything that we do, but it's what God does, and she felt so much better. So when I say that there is power in the scriptures, I'm not just saying that because that's what my job title describe, uh, calls me to do. It's because there truly is power in the scriptures. And that's why when we gather here, we spend so much time in the word. Because we believe, or I believe, that the spirit will work through you to continue to transform you as we spend more time in the word. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that there's so many reasons for us to be thankful for. But Father, we pray that you would silence all of the distractions in our hearts and in our minds, and that as we open up the word for just one moment here, that your spirit would shape and transform and fill us, and that we would leave different than we came into this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This morning's sermon um, is one of those sermons where it, 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 it's another layer of the foundation of your spiritual life. So, right, so some sermons are to help us how to find joy, how to do this, how to do that, how to be better at this thing or that thing. But this sermon this morning is one of those sermons where it's just going to add another layer to your spiritual life. So if you have your Bibles or the Red Bible in front of you, we're not having it on the screen this morning, but we're going to be asking you to open up your Red Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. That's page 800. We, we, we read this last week, and we're going to spend a little more time in it this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And Paul writes, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We begin with that first word, therefore. Now, when the Bible writers use the word therefore, it's not a brand new thought, but rather they're taking everything that they have already written and talked about, and now they are beginning to make conclusions about what they've written about. So Paul has been writing for seven chapters. You, you can read it for yourself, or you can go online and listen to the sermons. I think we have all of them up on our Roman series. 
But Paul is now, he's been going on and on and on for seven chapters. Sometimes it feels like he was even repeating himself. But Paul now says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. He's saying now, and and this now for Paul is saying, ever since the resurrection of Jesus, if you have faith in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe the stories of Jesus and what the Bible says about Jesus, there is now no condemnation. Paul is saying there is a new way of the world, and it was instituted, it was begun, begun at the resurrection of Jesus. The world is different after the resurrection of Jesus, and because Jesus had the power, in a sense, to be resurrected from the dead, this same Jesus now has the power to do impossible and amazing things in your life. So Paul says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the question we ask is, well, what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? That's a biblical way of saying if you've accepted, if you believe what the Bible says, if you have surrendered your life to the God that has pursued you. There is no condemnation. The fact that Paul has to say that now there is no condemnation is that at some point there was condemnation. At some point you were responsible and liable to pay your debts. But when the Bible talks about debts, it's not talking about actual financial debts. But he's saying that the Bible tells us that we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Which means that if we have sinned and we have fallen short, then we must pay the penalty or the debt of our sins. And what is the debt of our sins? What's the penalty? Death. Death. Not the earthly death, but the eternal kind of death that separates us for all eternity from the presence of God. And so Paul is saying, although there was a time when your sins would keep you away from God, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you have accepted Christ into your life, there is now no condemnation. Someone else has already paid the price. And that someone else is Jesus. In Jesus' death on the cross, he pays the debt of your sins. Here's why that's important. Now, it doesn't mean that because Jesus has paid the penalty of your sins, it makes you a perfect Christian person now. Does it? Right? At baptism, we are declaring that we accept what Jesus has done for us. Right? At baptism, it's this public declaration that we want to live our lives for Jesus. How many of you came out of the baptismal waters and were perfect? Yeah, none. Because the fact that you are not condemned, it doesn't mean that you are now perfect. That's just that you are justified. You are made right in the eyes of God. No matter how you feel about yourself, or your actions, or your sins, or what you've done, or what you're currently doing, or what you're going to do tomorrow, we're going to feel guilty about those things. That's human nature. That's the accuser. That's the devil. He makes us feel guilty. Jesus forgives us. He, he, he says, you can stand before the judge of the universe, and you are forgiven. However, it doesn't make you perfect. It doesn't make you sinless. It doesn't make you Well, you're blameless because you're in Christ Jesus. But you're still a sinner. But now you're a different kind of sinner. You're a saintly kind of sinner because you know that you have accepted Christ and you're not condemned. So the Bible uses words like justification for being forgiven, but the work of a lifetime is what we call sanctification. Sanctification is a Bible word or a theological word for the work that God is doing in your life. The Bible says that the one who, com- who started a good work in you 
will not finish until it is completed. So if you feel like there's still a lot of work left in your life to be a better person, guess what? That's probably true because God is still working. And I think God sometimes takes his time working in us because we're not able to understand or comprehend certain things in our lives. So the things that I understand now, what God is calling me to do, I probably couldn't understand them 10 years ago. And sometimes you're going to experience hardships and difficulties in your life, and I think God does use those things. The Bible tells us that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. So when you experience hardships or pain or suffering in your life, I'm not saying that God is causing those things, but God sure is going to use those moments in your life to get your attention so that he can continue to do a good work. So much of how we become more like Christ is how open are we to what God is doing in our lives. So Paul says in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But even though you are not condemned, we still struggle with sin. Isn't that true? How many of you don't struggle with sin? Yeah. How many of you have have accepted Jesus into your life, have given your life to Jesus? How many of you are saved? Yeah, the Bible tells us we're heirs of salvation. The end of chapter 8 tells us that. But we all struggle with sin still, right? So just because you're not condemned doesn't mean you're not going to struggle. So if you go to Romans chapter 8, verse 5, so just go down to verse 5. Paul says, Those who live according to the sinful nature, those who live according to the sinful nature, other Bible translations, they'll say flesh, but those who live according to the sinful nature will put their minds on what that nature desires. But those who live according to the Spirit will focus on what the Spirit desires. So I want to stop there and just kind of explore what this is. There's a story before I get into that. If, if any of you saw the film Tomorrowland, you will know this story, but it's a much older than this. But here's the illustration. One evening, an old Cherokee, a grandfather Cherokee, is talking to his grandson, and he tells him there is a battle that goes on between every one of us, and it's a battle between two wolves. He says, one wolf is evil, it's anger, it's envy, it's jealousy, it's sorrow, it's regret, it's arrogance, it's pride, it's greed, it's self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, inferiority, I don't know how to say that word, it's in my notes. The other wolf is a good wolf, it's joy, peace, love, hope, patience, serenity, humility, Kindness, generosity, empathy, compassion, faith, and truth. So the grandson says to the grandfather, well, which one wins? Which one of these two wolves wins? And the grandfather responds, the one you feed. The one you feed. You see, if your mind is focused on the sinful nature, on the flesh, the Bible tells us that what that leads to is death. But if you are focused on what the Spirit desires, it will lead to life and peace. The question comes down to where is your mind set? What is your mindset? Do you want life and peace or do you want death? I mean, how many of you want life and peace? Yeah. The Bible or Jesus says that the eyes of our heart are the lamp of our soul. 
And what he means by that is whatever you fill yourself with, that is who you're going to be. There's another part where Jesus says that out of the overflow of the heart speaks the mouth, which was another way of saying that people will know what you are filled with by how you live and how you act. To live according to the sinful nature is to focus on what you want. To live according to the sinful nature is to kind of live in such a way that you think that the whole world revolves around you. Your relationships, your work, your friends, the things that you do. Everything in your life must revolve around you. To live by the flesh is wanting to satisfy your own desires, your own wants, your own ways, your own opinions. Living by the sinful nature, or what Paul calls the flesh, is to do what you want, when you want, because you want it. Now, it's interesting that the Bible says that those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance to the Spirit set their minds on what the Spirit desires. When you live for yourself, all you can see is yourself. But when you live for the Spirit, you are looking outside of yourself, and you are saying, okay, God, what does God want? What does the Spirit of God want? And we know, and the Bible teaches us, that if you focus on the Spirit, it will lead to life and peace. How many of you have ever experienced tumultuous times in your life? The Bible tells us that if we focus on the Spirit, it will get us through. See, the question is, what are you filling yourself with? Are you feeding the sinful nature or the Spirit? How many of you have ever experienced times in your life where you're just you're, you're, you're either sad or you're, you're angered or you're in pain. And you try to find all sorts of things to make you feel better. It might be going out with friends. It might be a substance. It might be a thing that you do. It might be a show that you watch, whatever it is. But I know that for me, none of those things work. So this week, I was having one of those days where nothing was really going wrong, right? You know, most of life is just kind of ordinary. But I was just kind of super downcast in my soul. And I was just like, man, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I'm just like, ah, you know? And I was with one of my friends, and I was talking to him, but it still didn't make me feel any better. So I started, and I know this sounds so cliche, and it sounds almost like I'm bragging, so I'm not. I'm just giving you an example of how real life looks like for me. Okay, so please understand that. So I started reading scriptures for this, for this sermon. I mean, I was, the sermon was done, but I started going over the Bible verses that we were going to look at today. And I started trying to commit them to memory. And I started trying to, to just read them and over and over and over again. So I had my phone out, and um, we were working out, so I kept going back to it and when, I, when it wasn't my turn to do the next exercise. And I realized that the more that I read, not just read the Bible, but the more that you memorize it and commit it to memory... There's no more space for those other feelings or thoughts. Because when you're trying to memorize something, are you memorizing it, but you're still thinking about a hundred other things? Or if you're trying to memorize something, you're only focused on those like 10 or 15 words, right? And so what I realized, for me only, is that the more and more time I spend in Scripture, the more and more everything else didn't seem as big or as troublesome. Now, does that sound like a cliche? It does, right? It's like, yeah, pastor, we've heard that before. I, I get that. But have you ever tried it? Have you ever tried to just start to memorize scripture 
one verse at a time. Take a picture of it on your phone so when you go out and you're out and about, because very few of us carry our Bibles everywhere we go, right? Some of, yeah, okay, on our phones. But how many of you, do you, do you see people just carrying their Bibles everywhere? I have one friend who carries his Bible everywhere he goes. Um, and I tell him, it doesn't count unless you read it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but the truth is, it's not very practical. It's not very practical to carry a book everywhere you go, right? We have a phone, we have a wallet. But if you start taking pictures of it on your phone, you can access it any time that you want. Because the Bible, the Holy Spirit uses the Bible, the words in the Scripture, to shape and change and to transform us. Right, so let's look at another passage because we're getting close here to the end. So I'm going to jump in my sermon, but the cool thing is because there's no slides, you don't know that I'm jumping, so I shouldn't have said that. But let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and if you are a beginner in the Bible, the page number is 829. Ephesians chapter 5, page 829. Ephesians 5, verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So he's making a distinction. We want to live wise, not unwise lives, all right? This could also, probably it could be, you, if you're unwise, you live by the sinful nature, by what you desire, by what David wants. But to live by the Spirit is to live wisely. He says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Right, so Paul was writing because he says we need to get the gospel out as much as possible because we want as many people to accept Jesus. Paul thought, um, this was earlier on, so Paul thought, you know, Jesus is going to come tomorrow, so we got to get this out, right? Verse 17. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. I I think, though, for for most of you, for all of you, I don't know, you're like, ah, I'm not really worried about wine because I'm not using that. I don't need it. It doesn't matter. So you could substitute wine for anything else in your life that you go to constantly, right? For some of you, it might be television. For some of you, it might be food. For some of you, it might be the internet. Um, it, it might be anything. You know what it is in your life that you come back to. It might be a person, right? So do not fill yourself with that because debauchery is just kind of altering your state of mind, right? When someone gets drunk, it's an altered state of mind. So he says, don't go to these other things, whatever it is in your life, to alter your mind, to try to get rid of the feelings that you're feeling. He says, instead, be filled with what? The Spirit. See, we keep preaching the same message because it's throughout the entire Bible. Life is found only when you come to God. True life, abundant life, the best kind of life, the life you were created on this earth to live is only and best lived if you come to God. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, it's three in one. You call it what you want, but the best life to live is only when you submit to to God. He said, be filled with the Spirit. And look at this, verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Some of you are saying, like, that doesn't even make sense. How are we going to talk to our friends in, psal- in psalms and spiritual songs? Well, you're not, if you're not doing it, maybe that's why you're not living the, the lives that you want. I know it's weird. Like, I'm a pastor, and I would have a hard time doing this with my friends. 
But luckily, we can do that. You know, how many of you are beginning your day, just read a psalms, one psalm a day. And I know some of them you're not going to be able to relate to, but all of Scripture is God-breathed. So when you come to a psalm, just let it, let it speak to you where you are. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What are you filling yourself with? When you come home after a long day, what are you filling yourself with? When you're having one of those bad days, one of those rough days, what are you filling your life with? Does it matter what we fill our lives with? Absolutely it does. The only person and persons that will suffer from you focusing only on yourself is going to be A, yourself, because you're not, going to, you're not going to live the life God wants you, but it's also going to affect the people in your life. It's also going to affect your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your friends. They are all going to be affected by what you fill yourself with. Fill yourself with the Spirit, and you will always be on the right track. So can I do one more Bible verse? Yeah, we have time. Let's go just to kind of dot the I and, or put the exclamation point. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 24. Uh, page 736 in the Red Bibles. 736 in the Red Bibles. Verse chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Actually, it's page three, 735, but you'll figure that out. Luke 11, verse 14, Jesus is, is kind of stating a parable about how spiritual realities work. So these are the words of Jesus. Okay, verse 24, I'm sorry, yeah, 1124. I'm so sorry, yeah. Far from perfect. <laughs> Sanctification is still working in my life. All right, verse 24. When an evil spirit comes out of a man... It goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. So when an evil spirit comes out of a man, arid places means dark places, deserted places, deserts, something like that. Okay, wilderness. Um, then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. All right, so when Jesus is using the word house, he's actually talking about a person, a man or a woman. So he's talking about you. And he says it's not just about getting rid of the negative, evil things in your life. All right? It's not just about trying to be better by eliminating all of these things in your life. Like you should eliminate all bad things in your life, anything that is destructive, all sins you should try to get rid of, of course. He says, but... If you're just trying to get rid of the negative things in your life, but you're not filling yourself with the good things, with the godly things, with the spirit, what's going to happen is those other things are just going to come back around and they're going to fill yourself. This is why we tend to revert back to our previous patterns of how we live our life or the things that we revert back to to find happiness and joy because we may be trying to get rid of bad stuff, but we're not filling ourselves with good stuff. So here's what Jesus is saying goes back to what Paul is saying. It matters what you fill yourself with. And it's not just about getting rid 
It's not just about getting rid of the sin and the bad things in your life, but you have to fill it with goodness. And the only way that you can try not to live by the sinful flesh, because again, this is the, there's a battle, and maybe next week we'll get to it, but there is this battle. How many of you, no, I don't, that's a bad analogy. What you decide, what you want to do with your mind, your body doesn't always execute. Is that true? Can I give you an example from my life? So, I always, every day, right, every, every Friday, I tell myself that Monday starts my new diet, right? Because <laughs> the weekend's cheat meals. It's a joke, but it's kind of true, right? So every Friday, I tell myself, Monday morning, I am going to start eating healthy, right? Uh, caveman diet, just fruits and vegetables, right? And then I wake up on Monday morning, and I go to my usual stuff. What I, well, it's more for lunch, because I don't eat breakfast. But I go to my usual whatever, right? And then like three-fourths of the way into it, I'm like, I was supposed to start my new diet today. Because sometimes in our mind, we want to do things. We desire to do things. We want to do good things, but our bodies don't always execute them. And that's how, when we live by the Spirit, we want to focus always on what God wants for us, always what God desires, but sometimes the sinful nature, the body, the things that our bodies crave, they don't always live out what God wants for us. And that's why Paul says there's no condemnation because I know that even though your mind is set on the things of the Spirit, even though your mind is set to want to please God, I understand that your body, your physical nature, won't always be able to execute it. And because of that, you are not going to be condemned for what the body does. That's what Paul is saying. Now, it doesn't give you like a get-out-of-jail-free card where it's like, well, just go and do whatever you want, but rather it's a continual process of surrendering and opening your heart and your soul to God because eventually some of the things your body does, it will stop doing because you will be so in tune and filled with the Spirit. And so the final analogy is this. How many of you do dishes in your house, right, who wash the dishes by hand? Have you ever had like a large a large kind of pitcher of some sort and when you go in and you wash it with soap do you just rinse it once and like and it comes and all the soap comes out no I, I I have a little bit of OCD where I rinse and rinse and rinse and rinse I'm trying to be water conscious now because California is in drought right but it's hard so I'll rinse and rinse and rinse and rinse and I'll even when I get the glass out of the cupboard after it's been washed. I rinse and rinse and rinse before I'll put anything in there, okay? I'm just kind of weird like that. But when you have a large pitcher and you've washed it really well with soap, how do you get rid of the soap? You fill it up, and then what? You, you, you mix it, like, you know, you whatever, swirl it, and you empty it out. But then what do you do? You keep doing that, and then eventually you say, forget it, I'm just going to let the water keep going. Because have you ever noticed, eventually, with enough water, all of the soap leaves, right? It just kind of starts coming up the top. Do you know what I'm talking Am I making sense? Who, who washes dishes at home? <laughs> Some of you men need to wash more dishes. Help your wives out. <laughs> I have to, so whatever. But um, so yeah, so so that's what if we imagine it's a really bad metaphor, but if you imagine the soap as the sin in your life, the way we get rid of it, if soap is the sin and water is the spirit, then you just gotta keep filling yourself with the spirit over and over and over and over and over again so that eventually all of that sinfulness, all of those bad habits, all of those destructive habits will start to leave. And now you're going to be saying, so does this mean we can't watch television or go to the movie? Well, Adventists don't go to the movies, right? But <laughs> we can rent the DVDs at home, though. Um, 
what does this mean? What do we have to cut out in our lives? What do we have to stop? I don't know. There's different things for all of us. But what I do know is don't focus on the negative. Because if you begin on with limiting beliefs, with with those limiting things that that hold you back, you're never going to get rid of them. Instead, focus on the positive. Focus on the spirit. Fill yourself with so much spirit. And and that's Bible. That's prayer. Um, One of the ways that I know helps is listening to a lot of Christian music and it's not superstitious, but if you're listening to a lot of Christian music in the car and you usually have road rage, something about it begins to change how you drive, that, at least for me. Um, listen to sermons. I know, like, ah, we already do one a week and it's painful, but listen to more sermons. Listen to audiobooks, Christian audiobooks. Watch sermons on the internet. Talk to your friends. Have Bible studies with your friends. Um, one of the ways that I, that I try to do this, and, and maybe next week we'll explore how we can share this with other people, I have this application on my phone called Evernote. Um, Evernote is like a digital, it's a digital file cabinet, really is all it is. It's just a bunch of folders. So what I've started to do is I have one that's, <laughs> I have, I'm not going to tell you what it's listed, but I have one that's titled whatever it's titled, and in it, um, it's, it's just tons and tons and tons of Bible verses, and I take pictures from my Bible. I don't like the digital, you know, typing it in, but I take the pictures that I've underlined in the Bible. What that does for me, it's a reminder that this is what I want to ascribe to and live by. Am I living up to it? Absolutely not. I get that. However, the more we fill ourselves with that, the more that we will become um, more the person that Jesus wants us to. And I think there's a way that I can share that with you so that then you guys, if you don't have the ability to know how to do all that, it'll just pop up on your phone and then that might be something that we can do. Because I'm serious about this, you only get to live one life and it's extremely short. And we don't wanna be living kind of always starting from, from behind, right? We don't wanna live it just by focusing on the negative. We wanna focus on the spirit and on the positive and what God want, is wanting to do in your life And the only way you're really going to get there is by filling yourself with so much God that it overflows and there won't be room for anything else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, um, we always knew that being your follower wasn't easy. But we thank, but we're thankful that it's not heavy. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here. God, I pray that the words of Scripture this morning regardless of what I said, but that the actual words of the scripture, that your spirit would use them to continue to transform our minds and that eventually our bodies would follow. For all those who are struggling with strongholds and sins in their life, I pray, Father, that you would give them victory over those things. And I pray that you would help us to always keep our eyes on you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.